So the Buddha said that there are these two extremes. Can everyone hear me all right? No? A little bit louder. Okay. These two extremes. Indulgence in sensual pleasure, which he said is low and coarse and vulgar and ignoble and unprofitable. And self-torture or self-oppression or beating oneself up. And he said that is painful, ignoble, and unprofitable. But having explored both those extremes, he came to discover what he called the middle way. And he said that the middle way is precisely this, it's this noble eightfold path. So one of the ways that we sometimes misapprehend the middle way is to think it's between those two extremes. It's moderation. Because it sounds that way. So if, if I like Snickers bars, and having five is in a day is on the side of indulgence and sensual pleasure. Having none is deprivation. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I don't like Snickers bars, so please don't give me. <laughs> <laughs> so in the middle, you know, I'll have one a day or two a day or something like that. But actually, that's not what the middle way is, is it? The middle way that the Buddha described addresses every aspect of life. It's a way of living. It's a way of being in the world that actually leads to this amazing, complete peace, awakening, enlightenment, release, nibbana. And it includes the sila, the virtue, the way of living that brings stability, a foundation for stability, a, a foundation for happiness, the, the lack of remorse or guilt, the complete reliability and safety that all living beings can have in our presence. That's quite a foundation. And then the samadhi aspect, the pieces of the Noble Eightfold Path that fit into that category, 
being, being that stability of mind. So concentration isn't the greatest translation for samadhi because it makes us think narrowing down onto this single point of focus. But actually thinking of it more as the stability of mind, and it can be this open stability of mind that can take in everything and remain unruffled. And then the wisdom, the panya, the seeing the true nature of things that brings complete release, letting go of everything that's unstable, insecure, deteriorating, unprofitable. That's quite a path. So throughout this week, you'll be hearing more about, uh, more about that. And different views that the Buddha gave into that path that can help us in very, very practical ways. How to really pick it up and use it and do it. And what can I do now and today? And how do I work with the problems that come up? And we have this, this um, sort of lens of seeing the path that we're particularly looking at, finding our natural resting place. And it is that peace and luminosity. The Buddha said the natural state of the mind is luminous. The mind is luminous. And the defilements come in adventitiously. They come in almost by accident. They just, they're interlopers, causing trouble. But the nature of the mind is luminous, peaceful. And one good question is, do you believe that about your own mind? Because our beliefs and our perceptions really have a, a big impact on what we do. And you know how perception is. You probably all had that experience of, you know, you think, oh yeah, I, might, I may want to buy a new car. And I think, I'd like to get that kind. And then you see that kind everywhere. If you happen to want a Prius, you really do see that kind everywhere. If you happen to want a Corvette, you'll still see them everywhere. Perception's funny like that. Let's say you had a brother who always seems to want to get a bigger share. It's always kind of angling for advantage. And you've been watching this your whole life and you've experienced it over and over again. Now what happens when he comes to you and he wants something? Even if it's something completely reasonable. 
there might be this tendency to not want to give it to him or to be watching for where he's trying to take advantage. And maybe you don't give it to him. And then let's say you had another brother who's always helping you, always wants to give you a little extra, wants to do good things for you. If he comes to you and wants something, you probably give him anything and a little more. Our perception of people changes what we see in them, and it changes how we respond if we're not watching. So the stingy brother and the generous brother make their own kama. But when we, ha- when we act on our perceptions and we withhold or we give, we're making kama. And it's good to realize where that line is. What happens if we give as generously to the stingy brother? It does something to our own heart. So this is, this is also related to how we see our mind. What do you believe about your mind? I mean, some people, when I ask, uh, if you scan through your day, when was your mind at rest? And some people will say, it wasn't at all. One person said to me, I don't know what you're talking about. My mind is never at rest. <laughs> never. And if he believes that about himself, even though he may have a lot of good evidence, I'm afraid he won't see the spaces when it is at rest. And he might not encourage that to come forward. Someone said to me the other day that she meditates and meditates and meditates, and she's so, so discouraged because she just doesn't have any natural ability for meditation. But that's not what the Buddha said about your mind. He said it's luminous, and its natural state is peace. As long as she believes that there is such a thing as natural ability and she doesn't have it, where is that going to lead her? So it's like if if we look for the places, the points, even if they're small, when our mind is at rest... that will increase. Sometimes we don't know what our beliefs are. One of the most important experiences of my life happened in Thailand. When I met an Arahant monk named Ajahn Tui, And I gave him an offering, and I sat and listened to his Dhamma talk. And while I was listening, it felt like there was this whole area in my chest, like the size of a platter, that was just humming. And I went to bed that night, and I had 
these incredible, crazy, wild dreams, I would say, they are where Ajahn Tui was kind of introducing me to another monk. And this word, Mahabua, was flashing. I didn't know what that was. And there was this pounding message, you can get enlightened. You can get enlightened. But you have to practice relentlessly. And it was pounding. And I woke up in the middle of the night, kind of with my head spinning, and I, and I thought, this is so weird. And I went back to sleep, and it was the same thing. All night long, when I got up in the morning, my first thought was, that was so weird, I am not going to tell anybody about that. And then there was a knock at the door, and it was my son, the monk. Now, this is odd, knocking on the door. At, he was just about to go on alms round early, early in the morning at a woman's residence. And he said, I want you to have this book. I feel you should have this book. And I took the book, and it was by Ajahn Mahabua. And I opened the page and I saw his picture. That was him. And I told my son about my experience. Ajahn Tui, somehow, or Ajahn Mahabu, or both of them, or how that works, I don't know, saw deep in my heart that I had this doubt about my ability to awaken. And I had talked about enlightenment a lot and thought about it a lot and thought I really wanted it. I mean, the ministry school I went to, the seminary was at the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment. I spent four years in seminary there. It was big in my mind, right? But I didn't, I had this doubt about my ability to do that. And that experience took that doubt away. And my ability is no different from yours. I believe that. And the Buddha taught us these things because he knew we could do it. And so when we I think it's really important to look at where, what we believe about our mind and trust what the Buddha said about our mind more than our perceptions and our beliefs. You know, there can be, we can feel like there's a lot of evidence, like for the stingy brother or the generous brother or whatever else we think of somebody that we know But let's not lock down the potential because in that stingy brother, there is that generosity and that seed for generosity. And in that generous brother, there's a seed for stinginess. And both those seeds are in me. And if I react in ways that are stingy or generous, that's what I feed. So we have this opportunity to open ourselves to this potential. 
and to find those moments that really are glimpses of Nibbana and cherish them and feel the feeling that comes up when the mind goes still. When you see something true. And bring your bring your memory of that back again and again and again. So today there will be those times we need to open ourselves to see them, experience them, and use them. So go for it.